everybody. Welcome to the Mayfair Theatre Podcast. This is Josh. We'll be chatting about movies that we are screening from April 6th through the 12th, 2018. And tonight I am joined by our friend Sam from the Absent Friends Shadowcast. Hey there, guys. It's just us tonight at my house. And there's like tornadoes outside. So if you hear windows and stuff in the background, it's because we're having strange end-of-the-world spring weather here in Ottawa. The first 15 minutes of The Wizard of Oz, it's great. This morning, when I woke up, it looked like the gloomiest of December, snow and ice, and I know Canada gets teased of being Canada, but we're full-on spring. We're in April. We are. And this shouldn't be happening. No, but at least we got a taste of what's to come. Yeah, this is it. I fully think that it's this... And the last hurrah. Yeah, it's just going to be 10 months of snow and maybe a couple months of a nice fall. Maybe. Maybe. So yeah, so that's what we're dealing with here. If you're listening to this, you know, the modern recording of a podcast, we're not in a sound booth. So, you know, my puppy dog's sleeping on the floor beside us. So if she wakes up, you might hear that. But I tried to go somewhere where the windows weren't rattling, but you might hear some of the background. It gives us, it gives it a certain charm, <laughs> yeah, you know, a certain it, rustic charm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so how are you? Very good. Alive and well. How's the trenches of Rocky Horroring going? The trenches of Rocky Horror are bloody as always. Good. But they're going. It's a lot of fun. We had a wonderful show last month, which was March. March. March was last yeah. month. Yeah. We got a wonderful house, a really crazy audience. Really yeah. got into it. No one broke anything this month, good. which is good. a good thing. And yeah, no, so far so good. Definitely. And I, and I don't think we officially have our bookings yet up on the schedule for April, but it's always kind of the same. We've fallen into the routine of second week is The Room, third Third week week is Rocky, Rocky. fourth week is Cinema. Yes. So that's how it's going to go. But I am in the know and happen to know that Rocky will be on the 21st of April. Is there anything special besides for being always special? Is there any gimmick this month of April? No, no, good. No, good. it's April. It's classic Rocky Horror. Uh, next month, though, so May is our fancy Star Wars show, which is cool. going to be cool. We've talked about having a Star Wars show for a few years now, and I think we're ready to. Uh, yeah, I remember the rumblings about it. it. I remember the yeah. debating about it. And there, of course, and a lot of debating about it. Um, but we are we've settled down and we've decided we're going to do this, and it's going to be. It's cool that they're both... Fantastic. They used to be both 20th Century Fox movies. So and they, now we're both Disney. Yeah, and they yeah. both start with that, the like, the 20th line. Century Fox drum roll. And the... Or no, is there no. a drum roll? No, there's no, not. No, there isn't. Oh. Well, there is, in Rocky Horror, it's a piano that plays it. For okay. some odd reason, it's, like, the only one that's yeah. a piano. But does Star Wars start with the 20th... The first three, or sorry, the first six, traditionally, they start with the 20th Century Fox drum roll, mm. and they go straight into... Lucasfilm, and then a long time ago. See, but it's great because we, I guess we kind of follow that tradition in which we have the Fox logo, and then it fades out to black, and the first lines the the audience yells out to the screen is a long, long time ago. Yeah. So we, and I only recently, like, by recently, I mean maybe a year ago, clued in that a long, long time ago was actually (laughs) Star Wars. I'm just that... Oh, bad it. nerd points. Oh, my God. Well, they're both this... I mean, Rocky is, what, like two years older than Star Wars? A year older than when Star Wars? When was Star Wars? 77. Oh, Rocky's older by two years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so so any evolution of references in there would have happened... I wonder how quick those happened in there. Oh, they 
Is that an old happen. one? Oh, it's an old one. It's yeah. a classic, classic line. We've added a few throughout the well throughout the years at the Mayfair. We've added a few extra Star yeah. Wars lines in there. Sometimes the audience decided to just come up with them, and they're very clever, and we kept them. But it's going to be very exciting. Very exciting. We're gonna to have to figure out like where we can fit a lightsaber. Are you guys gonna be dressed as Jedi's and stormtroopers and stuff? Almost, no, kind, kind of, of. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> We're going to get certain parts of the Star Wars costumes and mix them all up with the Rocky costumes yeah. and see what we get. Gwen and I were in New York City last American Thanksgiving, so last November, November. and we went to see SpongeBob on Broadway. Spongebob's on Broadway. Yes, with music from David Bowie, They Might Be Giants, Cyndi Lauper. What? And I don't know who the Broadway folks are, but I think it's people who have produced some other big show. And a lot of people are saying this is like the next kind of pop culture thing, thing. the way that Monty Python was or or School of Rock or something like that. But what I liked about it, it just made me think of you guys making costumes, is that it had a big budget show, but it looked kind of low budget purposefully. So SpongeBob wasn't in a Disney-esque mascot costume. It was a guy with a yellow shirt and shorts and shoes that looked like SpongeBob. That's a good way of doing it. And his friend Patrick wasn't a big pink starfish. starfish. It was like a big guy in a pink shirt. And I like that kind of thing that Broadway does sometimes. Is that and he was pulling his pet snail on a skateboard. (laughs) So very kind of it was all purposely done, but it looked almost like a junior high kind of play. But that works out so well, though, because, I mean, um, in that naive kind of staging, it also reflects, I guess, the audience yeah. of Spongebob itself, like the, ki- the kids. And I'm sure also trying to maneuver a big Broadway show oh, in a yeah. huge square costume would be awful. Oh, I can't Im- even Awful. People who do that at, you know, Disney World. Oh. And people who do that at Disney World are... that's their job. That's what they do, yeah. I don't know if they are stepping up towards another job eventually, but you're working, I don't know if it's a full day, but eight hours a day in that sun in a costume. costume. That's Uh, work. That's uh, work. Hell. Very cool. I can guarantee you our costumes will not be Broadway style. Yeah. We will look as elegant as we always do, which is... We'll have to make sure to encourage people to bring their lightsabers and dresses oh, Jedi well, of course, absolutely. all that kind of stuff. For sure. And it actually ends up really well because I believe there is a Star Wars movie yes. coming it's, up. Yeah, the next is the Han Solo movie. And we always joke about it because we're like, oh, we don't want to publicize the competition, but I mean, it's Star Wars. So people will go see that and then come to the Mayfair afterwards. But yeah, May 25th, so right or May 26th, whatever the the Friday is after that, probably. Yeah, it would be the first weekend of it. But I mean, what do you mean competition? You guys have, like, freaking Han Solo oh, yeah. in the yeah, place. Yeah, he's it's here. Like, he's there. I mean, he's not in the cinema It's place. so That's... funny. Just recently, I think our friends across the street at Black Squirrel Book, I think on May 4th, are going to do a trivia night at their bookstore. We're going to be involved in some capacity. They're actually were supposed to email me today, and they didn't, so... But we'll be... We might be helping host or giving prizes or something. But they had heard a rumor we were showing Star Wars on May 4th, and we can't. Well, no, obviously We've discussed this before, but it's so funny. And again, I don't expect people to know the ins and outs of the movie world, but if we could screen that, I don't understand why they don't think we would have... Forever. Forever. For the past nine years, we would be showing a Star Wars movie once a month the way we do Rocky Horror. 
If not, like, every week. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. and last year, we lucked out where there was a movie. It's funny, I missed it because I was out of town, but it was a movie about a kid in 1977 who was an aspiring filmmaker who loved Star Wars. So it was kind of like an almost famous kind of thing. Hmm. So we got to show that on Star Wars Day last year, and I missed it. So, but Darn. I don't now think... Now who's losing the nerd points, I Josh? Know. Uh, every time Christ. I leave town, I miss something cool. I should never leave. <sighs> no. God. But, so I don't know. I mean, it's not too far away, but we have nothing planned right now. And the problem is just that, that we can't screen a Star Wars movie. Play a Star Trek movie. I think that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> I wanted our characters in Rocky Horror in the end. Yeah. Because uh, the characters in Rocky Horror, a few of them get gun slash lasered down in the end by other characters who yeah. revolt. I wanted these characters to come out dressed as... Star Trek guys. Yes, I was trying to find their names, but no, not right now. And apparently that was that was going against the canonical right. works of Star Wars, and I happily shut up. Yeah. But it would have been a great idea. Oh, that'd Just... be funny. There's a uh, god in ancient now sketch on Conan O'Brien might have been from 1999 like episode one ancient ancient and the joke was a guy dressed as Spock walking up and down the line at people waiting to see Star Wars just being a jerk and giving them the fingers up (laughs) oh it's funny I remember it so much and the nerds in line had a sense of humor about it too but I always think that's funny dressing up as opposite Spider-Man going to the Batman movie Uh, or something like that Maybe you'll get a Kirk or a Spock. I certainly up. hope so. I absolutely fully encourage it. But is that a rivalry that actually exists? I don't know. I mean, there's rivalry with everything, right? But I don't know how much it actually is yeah. there. I mean, I'm always of, I like them both. Like, Fair enough. Like, I like Star Trek and Star Wars. I like Batman and Spider-Man. You know, we can, all, we well. can all get along. Absolutely. Can, I don't know. Rocky doesn't really have No, because it's better thing. than everything else I mean really it is funny the one thing I do compare it to if only in a complimentary way is saying that Rocky is 40-ish years old and it took that long for another cult movie to be put even in the same sentence as it with the room yes in that the word cult gets thrown around so often Mm. and there's a ton of movies that you might think of as cult a cult classic but how many are shown on a monthly basis in Ottawa, we have The Room and Rocky Horror, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's it. And you think of all the horrible movies of the 80s and the 90s, and, and even more recently, there's stuff that has gained ground as TV movies, like I think Sharknado is up to its fifth film. I saw something like that the other day. I was going through movies, and Sharknado yeah. number I think five. billion came out. Yeah, I yeah. was astounded. They were It was in outer space? Yeah, which means, I can't believe it, but so five years ago... Just, we had the perfect, it was the perfect weekend, but we screened Sharknado, and it was great. It was a packed house, people were having fun, gave it a standing ovation afterwards, and I thought, I was like, oh, well, this is going to be a new thing. So we played it again a month later, and it was 30 people. Just complete, it lost all of its interest. It's Yeah. And Lee had said that to me recently, and I never kind of thought of it from this point of view, but there's so much pop culture being made, mm-hmm. whether it be TV or video games or books or movies. And I know I'm very guilty of it. If I keep buying comic books, but I have a big stack of comic books beside my bed, I keep watching new TV shows 
But I joked about it with a friend recently that I have never seen an episode of, say, like a like a the Bob Newhart show, which is this comedy classic. I've never seen it, and there's just so much. So movies are the same way. Where Lee was saying it's harder for studios or distributors to pay attention to us because they're so busy. We got Black Panther coming out. Oh, we got Han Solo coming out. We have the new Frozen movie coming out. We have the new Toy Story movie coming out. So they have to pay attention to next week. It's harder for them to pay attention to last week. If a multiplex movie doesn't make 50% of its budget the first weekend, it's screwed. It's done. Whereas when I was a kid, and I'm just making up a number, but say at the time E.T. cost $50 million to produce, it would make $5 million and $5 million and $5 million and keep going and be in theaters for a year and then make $300 million. Yeah. Whereas now, you see a movie that makes a lot of money, but seemingly... I think the best example is Avatar. Seemingly has no cultural footprint. You see people with Pennywise t-shirts or Rocky t-shirts or Star Wars t-shirts. I've never, ever seen a kid with an Avatar t-shirt or lunchbox or a pair of running shoes or action figure, but it's the biggest movie of all time. So It's the biggest movie of all time? All time. Really? Yeah. Even now with Star Wars and Avengers and Jurassic World... They come close, but with inflation, nothing's been close to it yet. What about Citizen Kane? No, because even with inflation, they say like, you know, whatever. I don't even know what Avatar's made now because the number keeps growing well, of because course. of inflation. But say it's made $2 billion. Citizen Kane has made a ton of money. Yeah. But it's like... I had no idea that Avatar... I knew it was a big thing. It's obviously been the talk of the town, but I had no idea it was the biggest flick ever. And you look at it without inflation, and it's all recent because people are all paying... $20 a ticket now. So now, every time a new movie comes out, Black Panther or a Harry Potter movie or whatever, it makes it into the top like 25. So everything just keeps getting knocked down. Mm. But when you look at the inflation numbers adjusted for inflation, that's the really fun thing to look at. Because there's movies that you're like, wow, 101 Dalmatians from the 60s or whatever is in the top 30. And because they made so much money, because back then everybody was going to movies. Well, naturally. So now everyone goes to movies for a weekend. And then that's it. And then they get distracted with the next movie. But then the thing is, why would people go out to see the movie when they can just download it or stream it yeah. or what have you? I don't know what the kids are calling it now. Yeah. But I mean, it's a thing. But but once again, I mean, coming back to these cult movies yeah. and what has made them cults really isn't the production companies themselves. I mean, for The Room, it's really Tommy who went out there and due to his insistence and staying really uh, on the matter that we have the room and it's become such a thing. Same thing with Rocky Horror. Uh, Fox had put it on a shelf and it came out for like a week and or no one went to see it. But it wasn't until some guy thought, let's play it on these uh, university campuses at midnight. And it somehow found its audience that way. And so it's not by huge mediatic attention one shot that uh, these movies become automatic cults. Yeah, and I find like a big franchise like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. After those happened, a bunch of people tried to make more movies like them and really nothing caught on. Really, like after Harry Potter, I remember a whole bunch of young adult witch movies or sorcerer movies or adventure movies and really none of them stuck. After Star Wars... 
the most memorable example is probably Battlestar Galactica, but even that didn't make a fraction of the cultural hit that Star Wars did. Well, no, of course. And so when people try to make a cult film, it just doesn't It doesn't. No, 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 you can't make them. They come. I mean, look at Ed Wood's stuff. John Waters, for that matter. Like, when he was filming Mondo Trash and all these things, he wasn't looking to... And I think that's the key. John Waters was being John Waters. Absolutely. If you try to be John Waters, that's not going to work. I was reading about another one. I think it's called... Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Oh, yeah, we just screened that a little yes. while ago. Yeah. So it. Oh, no, sorry. We screened Beyond the Valley of the Dogs, yes. which is from the same director. Yes. Yes. Actually, I think that's what made me look into it. Actually, no, it isn't. It's John Waters, of course. Okay. Yeah. There's a documentary coming out about the lead actress, and John Waters is uh, questioned in this documentary. But apparently, when it came out, no one oh, yeah. touched it. No one did anything. But today, it's classified as one of the most culturally iconic yeah. movies of like badass women and warriors and like so on and so, so forth. So many things like of so many different genres too. Mm. Even up until like the nineties or whatever, like a movie like Fight Club was a flop and now that's very remembered and very kind of put up on a pedestal. It's hard to imagine that a Fight Club would have been a flop. Yeah, big flop. And you look at you go back, everyone remembers Psycho, but Psycho wasn't the big hit Hitchcock film. Critics didn't like it. Um, Disney's Fantasia wasn't their big hit, you know? So no. I find that interesting of whenever a movie flops now, I'm like, oh, for me, it's Scott Pilgrim, which is not that old, but five, six, seven years old. Definitely. I think that's a movie that in 30 years, people are going to be looking at looking and at, be like, course. this is the best comic book movie ever made, even though it made something ridiculous, like $10 million in the box office and... You know, every Marvel movie has made $500 million. Yeah. But it takes time for for society and culture to completely intake a movie and a story and a style and a concept. I mean, you can't right off the bat... Well, you can, but I mean, typically it takes time to absorb it, you know? For instance, once again, like The Wizard of Oz. Originally, The Wizard of Oz, when it came out, people were astounded, of course, by the Technicolor, one of the first Technicolor flicks. But it wasn't until... and the, the I think it came out in 1939. It wasn't until the mid-50s when it was being played on TV that it got to be what we know The Wizard of Oz to be today. And, like, can we imagine The Wizard of Oz having been a flop at the cinema? It's ridiculous. My favorite Wizard of Oz story is my mom was born in 56, so as a kid she would have seen it on TV. Mm. I think it, for some reason, it was, like, every Thanksgiving or Easter. There was something like that. every, yeah. So she saw it a few times, and then as a kid, I'm not sure how old, but say like 10 years old or something, it made a comeback to the repertory theater where she was living. And her mom brought her, and it got to the part where they went to Oz, and it was color, and it blew her mind because she had seen it four or five times in black and white. Oh, it was black and white TV. Of course, of course (laughs) it would be. No one ever kind of brought it up, or she, you know, she was too young to have read like a behind the scenes book about it or whatever. So when that happened, she said she remembers getting whiplash, and it was... Intense. Intense, I would love to have... I would love to, like, take a time-traveling machine, if possible, and to just go see the reaction of people. Yeah. That must have been absolutely mind-boggling. Which is actually kind of funny, though, because Gone with the Wind came out that same year. Right. And it was the first full-length movie to be in Technicolor, whereas The Wizard of Oz was one of the first to utilize Technicolor as we know it kind of today. 
at the time, no one cared about The Wizard of Oz because, you know, it had the beginning in black and white and the end as yeah. well. Whereas Gone with the Wind was full on Technicolor. So <laughs> it's funny how... I like that cinema fans have always been... People complain about sequels or whatever. Now, Like, no, human beings are always fickle about that and will look at something in black and white and go, I don't want to see something in black and white. I don't understand that. I don't want to read subtitles. And people talk about uh, sequels, but the Wizard of Oz that we're talking about was not the first Wizard oh, of Oz. Oh, I know. Absolutely not. And Maltese Falcon was based on a book. And Casablanca, there was a Casablanca before that. Mm-hmm. And all those, like, I love the Abbott and Costello movies, but that's just, they did, I don't know how many, but a couple dozen of them because they kept making money. Well, of course. They weren't being done for artistic integrity. Naturally. They were like, oh, hey, Abbott and Costello writers, we have a leftover Western set or a leftover Mars set or a leftover jungle set. And they were just written for what they had. So Hollywood has always been that. Recycling, yeah. of course. Yes, very true. But it's very funny, though, because you bring up a very good point that, yes, a lot of the things we know as an original is indeed recycled from something else. Oh, yeah. For sure. And, I mean, just The Wizard of Oz itself, I mean, there was a few Oz movies beforehand, and a few of them that were produced, directed, and even acted by L. Frank Baum, who was the author of The Wizard of Oz. So these are old old movies going back to like the beginning of the 19 well the 1900s so the 20th century very cool stuff yeah okay let's talk about as per usual we could just sit here and talk for a couple hours but for a while i'd like to keep this around half an hour so the movies we are screening this week i'm just going to chat through some of these because there's a couple i want to mention more in depth our auto premiere is madam which looks like a french farce about a couple of americans who moved to paris it's with Tony Collette and Harvey Keitel. Film stars don't die in Liverpool with four-time Oscar nominee Annette Bening. This movie has Elvis Costello doing some music for it. Cool. And the song in the trailer is so beautiful that it wasn't nominated for an Oscar is crazy. Ridiculous. Then we have a pair of Best Foreign Language Oscar nominees, which is funny that we're going through the foreign films now at the Oscars. We've done all the... American, American ones. ones. So one's called The Insult, one's called Loveless, and then the third one is A Fantastic Woman, which we had before and is back as a one-night-only presentation that's free thanks to Carleton University Graduate Students Association. So if you missed this before with us, come back and see this one. It's actually not bad. I went. I, I saw I it. I really liked it, yeah. Yeah, it was... Definitely intense. <laughs> I thought she was so good. She was. She and absolutely was. Not too long ago, or even currently, if this was a Hollywood film, it would be guilty of casting a known actor who wasn't transgender in that part. Like, it's not Tom Hanks' fault, but, like, Tom Hanks was cast as a gay guy in Philadelphia. Yes. Whereas, vice versa happened very rarely of a gay guy being cast in a straight lead without them being closeted, you know? We're getting a bit better at that now. We are. But I mean, when we look at it, they're actors, right? Yeah. That's what they they impersonate people they're not. I mean, did we need to hire a bunch of Nazis to do Schindler's List? (laughs) No. So, I mean, so long as they do it justice and do it with uh, respect for who they are interpreting, I mean. Was in... What's the name Uh, of that? uh, Fantastic Fantastic Woman? Woman? Is the lead a woman? The lead is a... Like, I mean, biologically... It got a lot of press because it's a transgender yes. actress. So okay, so she is trans. Former male to yes. female. Yes. Oh well, she does and, an like, admirable job. Oh, and just like the close-ups on her face, and what I like about it is, 
and I always joke that that in myself talking about this, I'm a white, straight, 40-year-old Canadian. I don't need a parade because every day is a parade for me, you know? <laughs> like, I always get mad at those guys, like those white middle-aged guys at the side of a pride parade or at the side of, like, a Martin Luther King parade going, where's my parade? Like, no, no, every day. I walk down the street and people just give me things, you know? <laughs> like, Absolutely. Well, I don't know about that, yeah. but... um. But, she does a very, oh, very so good, good job. Yeah. I would be very interested in knowing if she was singing, if that was her actual voice and in I'm the movie. And I'm very curious to know what she will do next and what she did before, because yes, that would be she's very getting good to know. a lot of good buzz off of this. Mm. And I can see that where, on one hand, as an actor of any, whether it's a religious or a transgender or a minority, whatever... You want to do roles of that, but you also just want to do a role. Well, of and I've heard that over and over again of Neil Patrick Harris saying he's been so lucky because he got to do a sitcom for ten years where he was a chauvinist pig, and he got to do like a kids movie. But then he also gets to do other things, you know. So with someone like her, yeah, I'm very curious what she does next because she really blew me away in that. She was absolutely amazing. Well, I mean, the world is her oyster. I'm sure she can do yeah. a lot of stuff. I mean. For example, Tim Curry was not a transvestite. Exactly, yes. And he went on to do everything. What hasn't he been, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, he's... But yes, no, she... I'm yeah, she very excited. Do we have her name? Nope. That's okay. Look on the internet. You can find it. The internet. But yeah, so we have that for One Night Only coming up. Then we have... It's interesting. Talking about the multiplex, often when a movie flops at the multiplex, we get it really fast. So it's it's a, a backhanded compliment to the film or not even a compliment, but it's good for us because yeah. we don't need 8,000 people in a night. If we get 75 or 100, that's pretty good. If we get more than that, that's great. So we have two movies coming up this week and I think Lee booked them both for a couple nights apiece just because they just came out and they might get the genre fans in. So one is a horror film called The Strangers Pray at Night, which really? is... Really? You guys are getting... Yeah. Yeah, that, that, okay. Like, and it just came out. Like I think the poster date on it says March 30th or yeah. something like that. And that is a sequel to a it movie is. from a decade ago, which is it interesting. It didn't come out a decade ago. A decade, 10 years ago. It did not come it out. Did. It did. Really? Yeah, 2008. Uh, it made me feel old. Okay. And it's a it's one of those funny horror films that says based on true events, but I'm like, is it just based on true events that like somebody picked up a hitchhiker and killed them? I, I don't know how somebody <laughs> broke into a house and killed somebody. Like, I don't know how much of a true event this is, but... Mm. It's a scary movie about people coming into your house, essentially. Yes. And it's got Christina Hendricks from Mad Men, who I nice. I love. So, got some actual acting cred in it. <whistles> then the other one is Death Wish with Bruce Willis, which came and went so fast. I didn't even hear about it. It's a remake of the... I don't know what you call it. I was going to say exploitation film, but just the real violent 70s era of Charles Bronson of yeah. something horrible happens to a guy's family... And he then kills a bunch of people. Yes. So this is Bruce Willis doing that. Something horrible happens to his family, and he kills a bunch of people. And although it's a mainstream film, it's directed by Eli Roth, who has done a bunch of really violent horror yes. movies. <laughs> and I think this is the same. It's rated 18A, where in Canada, for something to get that kind of restriction means, yeah, you're actually really violent. Because most horror films or controversial films or... There's still only 14 or PG in Canada. Like, we're, well, we're pretty laid back when it comes to that stuff. So this is an actual 18A-rated thriller revenge movie. I will be in the front row. Yeah. Can't and Bruce wait. Willis is in it. So it's, it's Even uh, better. 
recent flops that we got <laughs> that will do well with us, I hope. Yes, certainly. And so that it's interesting that we can program stuff like that. And the reason is because there's so many blockbusters. Left, right, and center. The multiplex doesn't have room. So we have this nice symbiosis going, which I've talked about a number of weeks in a row, where they don't have room to give movies a chance at a second or third week because they're like, oh, Han Solo's coming, Tomb Raider's coming, Ready Player One's coming, Incredibles 2's coming. They don't have room for these middle ground movies. It kind of makes us think of Lucille Ball and her conveyor belt of chocolates. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I can't keep up. I see most of my stuff at the Mayfair and occasionally go to the multiplex to see the big stuff that we might not get. And I can't keep up. I just don't no, have time. No, so just don't keep up. Just yeah. watch them at the Mayfair. Yeah, because I'm going to go see Segway. I'm going to see Best Friends at the Mayfair this Friday night. I want to. It's the final cut, isn't it's it? It's the final cut. If you saw it with us a couple months ago when Greg was in town, when mm-hmm. our friend Greg Sestero was here, you saw that at the opening, I forget exactly what it said, but it said, this is a rough cut, this is a work print. So the more boring behind the scenes stuff is it will have been color corrected, the score will be different, the titles might be different. I know it's about 10 minutes longer, so that's mm. different. And then volume two, Kill Bill style, will be out <laughs> later this year. Oh, it's coming so, out this year, is it? Yeah, okay. I thought it might be next year, but it's yeah. like this fall. So it really is a different experience. If you've seen it already, you'll get to see the final version of it. And I mean, who doesn't want to see Greg Sestero and Tommy Wiseau again, right? And what's crazy is it's been getting unironic positive reviews. Well, that's it, unfortunate. It's weird. It has somewhere <laughs> around like a 7 point something rating on IMDb. Mm. And it won an award at a festival in Florida. And so it's actually getting praise, which is funny. Because well, I, think, that's, yeah. I think a lot of people going to it were going to be laughing at it. Yes. But I walked away and I really thought it was good. Like, I'm interested yes. to see the final version. It's, I'm very excited, very excited. But once again, I mean, it's not Tommy's movie, no, once again. That's so, what people, and, I think, are forgetting. Yes, yeah. and we also now know that Tommy is weird. And accept yes. that. We're happy with yep. it. So it's good. And, and with a director and surrounded by real actors, it can, can be pushed into something. Yeah, it's very yeah. interesting. We have that for two nights only, and we were glad to get it because I think we're only getting it because of Greg, essentially. So that's a nice rarity on our screen because in the States, it's only at the multiplexes for these like kind of one-night-only events. Uh, so it's really... That's very good. We might be the only place playing it in Canada. I'm not sure about that, but... I mean... That's, that's what, pretty cool. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. That's our movies for this week. April 6th through 12th. A bunch of stuff. The reason it's so many is because it's like a one night only thing, a couple two night only things, and just this blessing and the curse of having one screen and wanting to get all this cool stuff on there. So, Which means get your butts into those yeah, seats. Yeah, just come see a bunch of movies. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely seeing Best Friends this week and Strangers and Death Wish. Is Flower uh, still playing? No, Flower's gone. Gone. Flower's good. Did you like Flower? I liked Flower. I liked Flower. I liked Flower a lot. I, as we were discussing, we had seen the trailer once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I was not expecting it to go the route it did. Yeah, I think it tricked us. It didn't, it, no. it was, it was purposely not showing us how kind of dark it was It was going, going to end. Yeah. At first I thought, oh my God. Yeah. This is like hard candy, but PG-13. Yeah. No. I walked away being yeah. like, oh, <laughs> it was like hard candy. Yeah. It was good. It was very good. Yeah, but that's an example where we don't have room. We might have held that over, but we're like, nope, no room. You got to see it fast. And when they go, it's like we were talking about the assembly line. There's just so much coming at us. We're like, might as well. Look at our, I'll just say this quick, but if you look at our front page of our website, we have a movie called Death of Stalin coming up on the 13th that looks great. Can't wait. We have 
the 20th anniversary of Big Lebowski coming up. Of course. We booked a movie called The Endless, which looks really, really cool. It's I think it's about a couple of guys kind of escape from a cult. And then the twist is, and the early twist is, they realize the cult was right. And the end times is coming. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. That sounds good. Don't you guys have that fancy... No, I think that's towards at the end of the month. I'll let you talk about it later on. The, like, exorcist. Oh, yeah. The, the, the Devil and Father Amorth, which is directed by the director of The Exorcist, and it's a documentary about a real exorcism. Which sounds amazing. Yeah, so that's cool. Just too much cool stuff. So, yeah, go check out our website. We always update as fast as we can. Lots to see. Just come. Just come. It'll be something good to watch. It'll be a blast. We're going to wrap this up because I think it's an end of the world outside right now. I think... I hope you didn't hear the windows rattling too much, but it's... It's I happening. I think it's like hailing outside. It's happening. Oh, my God. So thanks for listening, everybody. We're on all the social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And go visit our friends at House of Target across the street. They just got a Terminator 2 machine. Epic. A video game. So Epic. you just shoot Terminators for as long as you pump quarters into it. Yeah, lots and of fun. And trivia at Black Squirrel. Yeah, and stay tuned, because I might be hosting a trivia thing at Black Squirrel or helping out there. But we'll let you know about that on our internets as well. Come see Rocky Horror every month. All the time, guys. We'll see you soon at the movies. Ciao. Bye. I want you to see Psycho the way I originally made it, with every scene intact, the version TV did not dare show. The murderer, you see, crept in here very slowly across the showers on there was no sound. And, uh... See it uncut, intact. No one will be admitted to see it except from the very beginning. Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Rated M. Suggested for mature audiences. Parental discretion advised.